Welcome to Kidding Around, a kid health podcast for everyone. Parents, grandmas, teachers, anyone who touches the life of a child. I'm your host, Dr. Candace, a board-certified pediatrician and a mom of two. I sit down with expert guests to answer your questions about all things baby, child, and teen. So if you're wondering, why does she do that? Or how can I get rid of this rash? I got you. Hey everybody, welcome to Kenning Around. I'm Dr. Candace, and thank you so much for listening. Today, we are talking about child abuse and most importantly, prevention. First, I wanna give thanks as I usually do. I'm gonna shout out all of my followers and supporters who follow me on social media, who send me wonderful comments and ask me some great questions as well. You guys keep me up sometimes at night trying to find answers for your questions <laughs> and give you advice. But thanks to this lady that's sitting with me today, Miss Tina Morgan. You're going to get to know her in just a few minutes. She is instrumental in putting this episode together, getting through all the red tape of um, trying to do an episode with someone in the government, okay? And they don't play. They have rules and, and it has to be all, everything has to be approved and she made it happen for us. Also, Meaty Thompson, Jennifer Bird, Sean Thurman, Andre Minot, uh, Dr. Evelyn Evans, and Leslie Batson. Thank you guys so much for your support as always. Now, my guest, again, like I said, Miss Tina Morgan. She is the Circuit 9 Community Development Administrator with the Florida Department of Children and Families. And we recently got to know each other working on trying to combat ACEs, ACEs. right? Yep. And we have become friends and we're doing the good work. And she she is passionate about prevention. She does so much with the Department of Children and Families, but her focus is on prevention, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Thank you so much, Tina, for kidding around with me. Uh, this is a tough subject, but we, we try to educate and empower and really help families to prevent this from happening. Definitely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. All right, so let's jump right in. Let's define child abuse first, because I feel like there's definitely a lot of mis information when people discuss abuse, what constitutes abuse in children? I'm glad you asked because you're right. A lot of times people will say child abuse and think that it's this whole big subject, but really it's kind of broken down into a few things. So there's abuse, which is physically, when I talk about abuse into the community, what I say is abuse is something that you physically do to somebody else and you have the intention of causing harm. Mm -hmm. So there's also neglect. So neglect would be something that you don't do with the intention of causing harm. So when you think of neglect, that's like taking away your supervision, taking away food, taking away clothing, taking away an adequate place to live. Um, and then there's also abandonment. So that is, of course, not providing for your children um, your parental guidance. And then the last thing, and we have two categories, and typically there are two highest categories that's threatened harm. And it's sort of a subsection. And what that is, is when you knowingly do something to yourself that causes harm to your child. Right. We'll be talking about those, I'm sure, more. That's right. It can, it's just not cut and dry. No. And there's different elements. And, and, and you guys have basic terminology of these different cases. Let's talk some numbers first. Okay. So how common is child abuse in, in you know, in our area? 
Okay. So I'll give you the number of reports we had in Orange County last year. Mm -hmm. It was 12,414 in Orange County. So that's the number of cases that were called into the Florida abuse hotline. Okay. What that translates to is probably more children than that because on often on cases there's more than one child that could translate into a much higher number of children. But if you look at the community and how many children are in the community, it would probably be a lower percentage, but it's still way too many. Right. Way too many. Absolutely. Yeah. And of those cases, about 12% were verified. So what that means is that something in that case was found to be true. Okay. So not all calls mean something actually happened. Correct. Well, 12% right. <laughs> had something that was true. So right. there's a higher percentage of cases where there is nothing right. founded mm -hmm. um, or there's something, but maybe there's just some assistance that's needed to be provided. Nothing that needs to be verified in those cases. Okay. All right. And so what do you commonly see in, the, in, in that 12%? What are the cases of abuse that you're seeing? Okay. So when we have abuse or neglect, um, they're usually broken down into maltreatments. Mm -hmm. And so we, if I use the term maltreatments, I'm talking about like a specific type of abuse or neglect. Mm -hmm. So typically the ones that we see with the most frequency would be family violence threatens child or household violence threatens child, which is commonly referred to as domestic violence. Um, we also see a lot of substance misuse. We use the term substance misuse because it's a parent using a substance in a manner that has an effect on a child that's a misuse of what it's intended for. So that could be alcohol, illicit drugs, prescription drugs, anything like that. Right. Oftentimes, and I know you're mentioning parents and, and, and guardians in the in the household setting in most of those cases. Oftentimes, children who are abused, we find that they know their abuser. Yes. The person who caused them harm or neglected or whatever the case may be, oftentimes that person is known to the child. It's not just a stranger off the street, right? Correct. So in most cases, am I correct? Is it most of the time their caregiver or parent or guardian? Right. So actually you bring up a great point because for our cases, it's a caregiver. Okay. So for the cases that are accepted to the hotline, it's always going to be the abuse or neglect occurred by somebody who is in a caregiver position. Okay. So we see parents, guardians, grandparents, parents, spouses, or boyfriends. Right. That's our usual perpetrators. Right. However, th there's a lot of cases where things happen that go to law enforcement instead. And okay. Across the board, you are 100% correct. The majority of cases, it is somebody that the child knows who is perpetrated on them. So that's good that you made that delineation. When a call is made, the person who takes the call has to determine, you know, if it's family or, or parent or caregiver, it comes to the Department of Child and Family. Yes. But if it's not that, it may just go through law enforcement. And I don't think a lot of people know that. Yep. Okay. That's true. That and it sense. can go either way. Yeah. I mean, sometimes people call law enforcement mm -hmm. and then law enforcement will go out there, take a report, see that it's, right. you know, okay, this is a caregiver. Well, then they're We'll call, they will call the Department of Children and Families and make another report right. to us because we also have to investigate that. Yeah. Um, we work hand-in-hand hand with all of the law enforcement agencies in the area, and they're great partners to have. Right. It makes sense to have that set structure. Yeah. yeah. Everything goes where it's supposed to go, right? Like at home, we tell you everything goes in its in, place, in right? Its place. <laughs> in right. its place. All right. So as a pediatrician, I'm often explaining that I'm a mandated reporter. 
right? And I, I don't want to get into the cases where I'm explaining that to people. Be careful what you do. Be careful what you say. Don't hit your child in front of me. You know, these types of things. You know, I have to report certain things. Right. So I'm a mandated reporter. What does that mean? And who else is responsible for reporting concerns of abuse in children? I love this question. Okay. <laughs> because the term mandated reporter, sometimes people think of that as, okay, well, I'm not a mandated reporter because by statute, I'm not one of those positions that are listed out there. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, everybody is a mandated reporter. Okay. What the statute says is if you know of and or suspect abuse, you are mandated to report it, period. Okay. So the difference, the term mandated reporter, and as it's outlined with those positions in the statute, the difference is if you're one of those positions, like a physician, like an employee of DCF, like a teacher, you have to give your name and information when you make that call to the hotline. If you're not in one of those positions, you don't have to give your information. You may remain anonymous. And I think a lot of people may not know that when they call the Florida Abuse Hotline that they have that option of remaining anonymous. Okay. Learn something there. So you make that call of your everyday person. You can opt to be anonymous and yes. not leave your name and information. I love the fact that if you see something and you know a child's in harm, you are responsible for making that report yes. because I think a lot of people don't do that. Right. And then as we know, teachers and doctors and different professionals are, are mandated to report. That's what that word means. Okay. That's two things I've learned. <laughs> That's really good. All right. Let's get into the, the main point of all of this. The thing that you love, what you're passionate about is prevention. Right. And that's everyone who listens to my podcast knows that there is going to be a whole section on prevention. How do we deal with this and how do we keep it from happening? So what are some of the elements of preventing child abuse? Well, I think that some of the things that people should remember is to be involved. So not only as a parent, but a grandparent, as an aunt, as a member of the community, as a pediatrician, be involved. If you Going back to what we just talked about, if you see something, say something. Um, I, I tell people all the time, if you see something that causes you to feel unease, then something is going on. And you may just see a snapshot of what's happening in the family, but it's better for you to say something about that snapshot than to just let it go. Right. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And unfortunately, there are times when people have let it go and that has had terrible results. So say something, be involved, surround yourself with support. So if you are a new parent, if you are a new grandparent, even you know, nowadays we do rely a lot on grandparents right. for support. If you know that there's an issue, offer some support. There are a ton of places that you can go to get some assistance and to kind of be involved. And the other things that you could do is ask for help. If you know that something's going on and you're not sure how to deal with it, or you're feeling overwhelmed, reach out. You can see your pediatrician all the time. You may see other members in the community all the time. Ask them for help. If you don't know where to go, I guarantee you somebody can help you get to the right place to get some assistance. That's right. So I love all of those elements because they're not technical. They're everyday. That's everyday right. simple. Like get involved. Don't just walk away, look away. How many times do we see that, right? You're seeing something that could be harming a child. Make that call, make a report, let someone know in an authority place that can help that child. Secondly, be a support. You know, we always talk about a village. It takes a village to raise a child. And in a society today where oftentimes we're just in our own little world or our own little pockets, like you said, it's important to reach out when you right. see someone in need, when someone's struggling, when they need help. 
to try to help, help them. them. What can I do for you? What can I do to help? Or here's a resource that helped me when I was struggling. You know what I mean? Take them into a doctor or, or, or some facility. Just try to help because when people are stressed, that's when the abuse, this, you know, something I wanted to bring up, that stress, that toxic stress, that chronic stress is what increases the risk of abuse for children um, when parents and caregivers are in those situations. So getting the support helping someone is really important. And you yourself, when you know you're struggling with addiction or depression or whatever it is that makes your home life tough or you're in a domestic violence situation, right? right. Get yourself help because it, it, helping yourself helps your kids. Exactly. It, it makes them safe. It's kind safer. of like the old airline adage, put right. the mask on yourself That's before right. you help anybody else. That's right. 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 So, and there are so many different types of stress that there you can get support for. So, you know, when we talk about that, there's financial stress. You right. could have just lost a job. Mm-hmm. Um, you could be food insecure. I mean, there are a ton of resources in the community, and it's really just a phone call or a right. ask away. Right, right. And we're going to give you all those resources, so stay tuned. We're coming. You know, I always have resources at the end, so so you have somewhere to go and get more information. But the last thing I wanted to bring up is that stigma or that beware sign around the Department of Child and Family, right? Right. We don't want people to be scared because we're saying make the call if you see something, but people are gasping like, what? I would never do that. I can't do that. What would happen to them? I don't want to be responsible for that. But just know, and I want you to speak to that, but my sense is that just know that DCF is not just here to take your child away or put you in jail. They're here to make sure the child is safe, number one, but also give you the tools and the the means to make that happen for yourself and your family. Am I correct in that? You are 100% correct. And you hit on something that here a lot is like, you know, if I call DCF, the kids are going to be removed and I'm going to go to jail. So in every training I do, I always try to delineate the fact that what DCF does is this. It's very simple. We have a report that says something. Is it true? Is it not true? Okay. Is the child safe? Is the child not safe? Now, granted, if the child is not safe, then we do need to do our job and take that child into our care. Right. But as we talked about the numbers before, the vast majority of cases, that's not what happens. We're there as a resource. We have so many different programs and resources that were tapped in through our agency and the agencies we contract with that we can get help for people. Right. And it's a great way to actually ask for help. Right. I know people don't think of it though. That's right. Because it, it, there is that fear, but truthfully, that is not the intent. Our department is there to help people who are having crisis. When you're having a crisis. I mean, I'm sure you see people at, in the pediatrician That's who right. are bringing their, their baby in, and they're like, I don't know what to do. Well, mm-hmm. if you don't know what to do, then, then ask somebody ask who has help. the resources right. who can help you. That's and, right. And that's what our agency does. I was an investigator, and so I understand the concern, and I never, ever have a problem with somebody asking me, like, you know, what is it that you do? Right. Or, hey, can I run this by you? I would rather a parent come to me and ask me those questions and let me try and help work out a situation in a scenario that's best suited for them than have nothing, nobody help them and then feel more isolated and alone and increase that stress. That's right. Absolutely. So that's definitely, if nothing else, we get across to people today, you know, those elements of prevention and knowing that DCF is here to help children and families to be stronger and together. Right. So 
We don't. The other part of that is that arrests, like we're not a law enforcement agency. We don't have that capability because I get that question a lot. It's like, right, right. We don't have anything to do with that. Now, if something did happen and Mm. child abuse is also a crime, that information can be turned over to law enforcement and law enforcement can make an arrest. Right, right. So I want to ask a question. And if this was an approved question, we can strike it, but <laughs> spanking children. So the state of Florida, are you familiar with our, our laws on spanking? And because a lot of people have asked me this, you know, abuse, mm-hmm. spanking, you know, and when does, when does and can spanking become abuse? Crossover. Right. Um, so it's actually per the Florida statutes, mm-hmm. corporal punishment is allowed and, but there's a whole section there. Right, right, like, right. But, but unless, I mean, and it literally lists several different things. Um, but typically, but it gets down to the meat of it. It's significant marks and or bruising, permanent or physical or emotional or mental impairment. Right. right. So oftentimes that's the area that's a little bit gray because significant like how, how do you, you define that? So yeah, I tend to give examples when I talk to the community about that so that they can kind of see maybe a difference. Right. But it is a little bit of a gray area. I can say that as far as spanking, as far as any physical, right. physicality tends to lead to physicality. Right. And if you are physical, then you, you also have to acknowledge that fact that if you are having those stressors, right. if you aren't having good coping mechanisms, that you have that potential to lose control. That's right. And quite honestly, that's when we see a lot of the child fatalities. That's right. Absolutely. That's my opinion. <laughs> so, in, you know, in my opinion, it definitely is a slippery slope. And as a pediatrician, I often try to talk to parents about using more positive, more effective forms of discipline. Right. Because oftentimes when you're spanked, you're angry, you are already out of control yourself. And that models that to your child. Right. And also we know there are much more than physical harm to the child, mental and emotional right. concerns as well. I just slid that in there because, you know, when we talk about abuse, often Sometimes people talk about spanking. I get into these debates all the time on social media. And then some people call it abuse, some people don't. And they go, what do you mean? That's discipline. And I'm like, but that's a form of discipline that's not the best form of discipline. And it it has a a whole lot of ramifications that come with it. And it is easy to slide into abuse. It, It definitely can. So it's a good point that you brought up because often when I get the calls asking about abuse or neglect, people will say like, oh, this terrible thing happened. Um, this boy wanted LeBron James tennis shoes, but his parent could only afford Adidas. I'm like, well, that's not abuse or neglect. That's just what they can afford. So we meet people where they are. Right. So when we're going out for abuse and neglect cases, we're not looking at it with our biases. We're looking mm-hmm. at it with the standard of the law and chapter 39, which is the statute that we use, how it fits into that definition. To clarify what one person thinks may be abuse may not be according to the law. Just make the call and that'll all be teased out. Mm -hmm. The people at the Florida Abuse Hotline, so that's the central agency for making the reports, Mm -hmm. they know whether it it meets their criteria. Mm -hmm. So when you make a call to the Florida Abuse Hotline, they'll look at it and assess it with the information that you've given them to see if it meets the criteria to accept a call. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we've gone over this before, but if they don't accept the call, don't worry because... 
They're going to keep that information. Right. It stays in their database so that if other calls are generated, they have that information to kind of add to it. And when they make the report and they actually accept it, all of that information goes to the investigator. Right. Then it's all there and it may be the big picture of it's really what's picture. going on. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So... With that being said, let's give all of these wonderful resources that we've been alluding to. Yes. So the first thing you can do is, of course, make the call. We talked about that. If you see something, make the call. Mm -hmm. um, so that's 1-800-96-ABUSE or the actual number, 1-800-96-2287-3. Uh, okay. That's the Florida Abuse Hotline. Um, you can also go to our website for resources. Our website is myflfamilies.com. Okay. You can get any type of prevention resources or data from our website. Um, you can go to 211. 211 is a fantastic resource. It is. You just call them, tell them what your need is, and they will look up and tell you what some of the resources in the community are. I use them all the time. When I don't know how to help my families, my patients, I go, let me call 211, or you can call 211. Just had a child this week who he was having some problems, and his mom just didn't know what to do. And I said, in his specific condition, I didn't know. And so I said, I'll call 211. And they actually had uh, like five different support groups in the area wow. for him That's and amazing. his family. And the mom was just in tears right. like when I called her back. And then they plugged the information in, sent me an email, sent her an email. Now it's there. And she could keep, you know, reaching out if she needs to. Oh, so 211 is, is awesome. And you know yeah. what another thing 211 does that maybe a lot of people don't know about is that they have the crisis response team now. Mobile crisis unit. Yes. And that's why I really called yes. for her. Because she was afraid to call the police. Right. And I said, no, call the mobile crisis unit. And she said, how do I do that? Right. And so we got her all squared away and she has what she needs. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so the, the mobile crisis unit is great too, because it taps into Devereaux and Devereaux has a plethora mm. of services. So right then and there you have, you have the power of two on one in all those services, right. mobile response team, and then Devereaux helping out with other things. So That's it's right. perfect. As a pediatrician, I'm sure you also have people that especially new parents that come in with concerns regarding things that they've never experienced before diapers and crying and all of these other things. So right. if it's a new parent and they have concerns or issues or they're feeling overwhelmed, there are a ton of resources out there. There's WIC, which I believe helps children up to age five. There's Healthy Start, Healthy Families, um, 4C. 4C has the daycare Head Start program for younger kids and then daycare for older kids. They also do a ton of reading programs. They're a great agency. You know what we forgot to talk about? April was Child Abuse That's Prevention right. Awareness Month, but May is Water Safety Awareness. Okay. okay. So we've got to talk about that because Florida is the number one state in the country for drownings with children under the age of four. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Orange County is one of the highest counties within the state for those numbers. Mm -hmm. And so we do a lot for water safety, water safety prevention. Um, we do have those resources on our website. In addition to our website, places like poolsafely.gov okay. have free resources. So you can go as a pediatrician or a nonprofit agency, you can go on to their website, order supplies, and they're free. And okay. have that out there for people so that they're aware of water safety. Right. Other one would be ounce.org. So that's the ounce prevention. 
So in April, everybody probably saw the blue pinwheels. Mm -hmm. Well, Ounce of Prevention is a huge sponsor for Child Abuse Prevention Awareness Month. And they just started some initiatives for water safety, too. So they've got PSAs and they've got a ton of resources on their website as well. And that's ounce.org. Just trying to do what we can to keep the kids safe, right? Keep them safe and on the trajectory to a productive, happy, healthy life. Well, that's our most vulnerable treasure. That's right. We got to keep them safe. Absolutely. Talk about the PNA, Parent Need Assistant. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Some people don't know this, Mm -hmm. but in the department, when we are trying to help people, we get calls from all kinds of different agencies, individuals, like I told you, people call me and ask questions. Well, if a parent is in need of assistance, they can call the hotline, the number we talked about, and say, hey, I'm a parent in need of assistance. I need assistance with uh, food, or I need assistance with finding a daycare. And what they'll do is the hotline will take that as a report. It's not an abuse report. It's a special kind of report called a parent needs assistance. It comes down to the different counties. And then somebody calls. I think in some counties, people might go out to the house and ask, you know, what kind of services do you need? But most of it can be done through a phone call and they give them the different services. So it's more, uh, it's like a personalized 211. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So all the more reason why to call because it's not all bad, right? It's not punitive. It's not looking for, you know, negative things. It's there to help. So you can call and ask for assistance if you're struggling. You can call and ask for support. You can call and make a suspected abuse call. You can call 211. There's a plethora of resources and nonprofits and organizations that are just waiting, ready, willing to help you build a support system, be a village for you. I will put all of those on the show note for the podcast episode. So they click the link and go right to those resources as well. You know, one thing we didn't say, but Mm -hmm. we probably need to, Yes, is that I think a lot of times parents think that nobody else is going through this and that isolation kind of helps build that stress. That's right. But the most of the, the things that happen people have gone through. That's right. And I think it's our fear of not wanting to reach out that kind of keeps us isolated. So just to say, right. Most people have gone through something or can at least understand and you're not the only one. So reach out. There's a ton of people out there that care and support and you keep saying it, but it's the truth. It takes a village. And so let, let the, let us help everybody. You're not alone. No, you are not not alone at all. But thank you so much, Tina. This was, I hope everyone gained a lot of information. I learned something on this episode as I always do, but thank you for making this happen and all the resources will be there and have a great day. And thank you guys for listening and We'll talk soon. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something today to promote health and well-being in children. Let me know by subscribing to the podcast on drcandacemd.com and iTunes or SoundCloud. Feel free to leave me comments and questions. You never know, they may be on the show. Also, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like for me to be involved with your kid-related event or be a health expert on air or in print, please feel free to contact me at info at Thanks for listening. We'll kid around soon. Mm-hmm.